Hello, and welcome back to Mies on Smash, the weekly podcast where we have unique writers and comedians on to break the Super Smash Brothers cinematic universe. I am your co-host, Simon Lewis Ong. And I'm your other co-host, Pete Simmons-Hayes. Pete, do you believe in ghosts? Yes, I do. Yes, I do, Simon. I, I believe in the ghosts that our mind creates. I don't know what you know, the fuck I that actually, means. <laughs> you know, wait, okay, I didn't know you were going to go, like, joking with it. Or not joking, but there's literally a note on my phone that I don't remember writing that says, like, ghosts are as real as you allow them to be. That's, I think that's what I meant by what I said. I think I just said some annoying bullshit. And <laughs> but we're talking about Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> okay, first off, I want to talk about sidekicks. So when I think of sidekicks, Ron Weasley, uh, Watson, Ferb, Andy Richter, what all of them have in common is I don't want to watch something where it's just them. Sure. But Luigi transcends this uh, by being just so likable and like kind of not trying to be cool like Robin, you know? Right. I don't want I don't want this to become the podcast where we shit on Mario, but I did it during the Wario episode, and I kind of feel like I got to do it again in that. You know, Mario is, he's just a character born out of gameplay convenience. That's it. When, when, when they, when Shigeru Miyamoto first designed Mario, it was literally just, he's this dude who can jump. Everybody who came after that has been born out of a real, a a story purpose. Yeah. It's the classic video game protagonist problem because that they're, you know, the fill in for you. It's hard to actually put a real character on that. But Luigi doesn't have that problem. He's a pussy, he knows it, and we love him for it. There's a re- sort of a real-world parallel with that, too, whereas, you know, Luigi is often seen as he's the player, too. The, the younger siblings are always stuck playing Luigi. So there's, there's a... I think a lot of people have a real-world connection with Luigi for that reason. Um, and, and so his character, I think, is is a great parallel of that where you know he's constantly playing second fiddle to mario but rather than being resentful about that luigi really looks up to mario i think mario is a lot of things that luigi isn't but luigi is his own character in his own right yeah and i think what makes the game we're about to talk about so impressive is it it stands on its own like to such a degree that now when I think of Luigi, I think of that game just as much as I think of his appearances in the Mario series. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nintendo is kind of the only company that can do that. I can't think of another video game sidekick who's had its own game with its own gameplay conventions that have, I don't know, that's been really unique in that way, you know, that have really tried something different. No, I think you're right. Whereas that that is really something that is unique to Luigi where the Luigi's Mansion games don't play like Mario games at all. They're no. completely unique. They're completely their own thing. Simon, where were you? What what place were you in during your life in the year 2014? It's actually 2013. I fucked up. In the year 2014, a.k.a. the year of Luigi. Ah, the year of Luigi. I remember it fondly. That was my sophomore spring and junior fall year of high school. Uh, the world, the world was looking, you know, it was, those were some of the hardest years of high school. And I think right. had it not been the year of Luigi, I'm not sure I would have made it through it. You know, me neither. Cause you got Luigi's mansion, dark moon right off the bat. You got 
uh, New Super Luigi U or whatever the fuck it was called. It was just it was it was a great way to celebrate Luigi and uh, and Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. As it happens, is actually the Luigi's Mansion game that I've played the most of because I didn't have a GameCube growing up. So I really only was uh, exposed to the first Luigi's Mansion game when I went over to my friend's house. But I played. I think I. I got just shy of beating Dark Moon, and then I've played some of Luigi's Mansion 3, maybe like half of it on the Switch, um, which I also have. But definitely Dark Moon is the one that, that I've played the most of. So with that introduction, I think we should go ahead and meet our guest today. Let's hear a little bit about Gabby. Choose your character. A recent escapee from the Nebraska grasslands, Gabrielle Christensen is a graduate from New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, where she studied film and TV. Though her core specialty in school was horror screenwriting, she was the creator and showrunner for Troop 264, the 2019 selected NYU Children's Television Workshop production. She now lives in LA and works as an associate producer and writer for Pocket Watch, the children's new media company behind Nick Jr.'s Ryan's Mystery Playdate. And here's Gabby. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me, guys. Gabby, what is your experience with Luigi's Mansion? How was how is preparing this pitch for you this week? It was interesting. I don't have a lot of experience with Luigi's Mansion in particular. Um, I've got a little bit of gameplay logged with Luigi's Mansion 3, but I was a big Mario Galaxy girl and I was always Luigi. So he has a very special place in my heart. I was always player two. But I actually, I was really fascinated by this because of, I got to do a lot of research into like haunted hotels and haunted mansions. So it was kind of a blast to to kind of check everything out. And and your when you write, you typically write a, you write both horror scripts and you also write sort of kid focused scripts. So this is a really nice blend of your expertise, right? It was, yeah. I think I I definitely leaned more towards the horror aspect, but it was very refreshing to get back into horror instead of full preschool kids so when i heard you were doing doing this i couldn't think of anyone better because i remember my first like impression of you the first time i met you like you were talking about the halloween parties you throw and then like three weeks later we like enter your like small dingy dorm room and like there's spider webs all over you you came up with these cocktails that are like little syringes there's eyeballs and the the punch it was the best design halloween party i've ever been to hands down you know after reading your writing and like you know knowing how you are with kids stuff like this is this was built for you thank you yeah no it was i had a lot of fun with it i stayed up super late trying to work everything out pretty pumped so, Gabby, how scary are you going to make this? Because I know you can get dark. I've seen you get dark. But, you know, there's also some goofy stuff that happens at Luigi's Mansion. Um, what kind of balance do you think you're going to strike here? I think there's going to be a good balance. I'd say anywhere from probably around like PG-13 is what I would rate it. I think... Uh, I definitely wanted to lean into the origin story of like how this hotel got to be here. Um, but at the same time, like you have characters like Guigi and you know, that's just having characters like that. It's gotta be lighthearted somehow. So it's definitely not going to be a depressing sinkhole. So you mentioned the hotel. So we should clarify that this, this, 
you're interpreting this as a as an adaptation of specifically Luigi's Mansion Three, correct? Correct. But in this case, it's Luigi's Mansion One as a movie. Yes. Right. So this is okay. going to be the first time Luigi's meet, meeting uh, Egad, meeting everyone, meeting King Boo. But inspired by the story inspired of the game, by... Luigi's Mansion exactly, 3. Exactly. Gotcha. This is exciting. Because Luigi's Mansion 3, it's got so much polish in its animation. It kind of feels like you're watching an animated movie already. Yeah, during the cutscenes. Um, yeah. Along with the story of it. It's just, uh, it's it, it already kind of has a movie quality to it because it's like, when you find something in Luigi's Mansion, another problem arises. And, it, and it's sort of just like a chain of events to try to get to saving Mario. While like, you know, a Mario game is just like, you go to this world, you go to this world, you go to this one. Just from a writing standpoint, I feel like this one's a lot more fun to play with. Definitely. I gotta say, I've just peeked and looked at the first line of this pitch. And I'm already, I'm already laughing. I, I already can't believe we're starting another pitch this way. Pete, you're gonna lose your An- mind. Wait, what do you mean? An- what do you mean another pitch? Is, are you, is it? Does it start with a year? It totally starts with a year. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna okay. lose your mind, Pete. I'm ready to lose my mind. Let's get into it. Let's break the story. Let's break the story. Break the story. All right, interior London Hotel, 1940. We begin inside an incredibly decadent hotel. Everything is freshly polished, freshly painted. It's brand new. Hannah, five years old, sits getting her portrait painted. The artist finishes, and off screen, her mother waves her off to go play. As she wanders around the halls of the hotel, Hannah pauses and takes notes of the paintings on the wall, mimicking the poses as she prances down the hall. She pauses at one in particular. It's odd. The person looks disturbed, almost scared. The intrigue passes and she mimics the pose and moves on. This is her playground. Her family is the first of her guests, thus she's got to be the queen of the place. As Hannah dances around the hotel, we are given a mini tour of every room. The elegant lobby with skeleton keys hung along the back wall, a grand dining hall complete with every kind of crystal dish imaginable, a moody bar area, a lounge embedded with a library. Hannah gently runs her hands along the books and skips through the library, but she slows. Something has caught her eye again. Slowly, she approaches the back library wall where another portrait is hung. It's a woman screaming. Hannah becomes deeply disturbed. She peers harder at the painting, and something moves behind her. As Hannah spins around, there's no one there. Her breath quickens, and she starts running back to the hotel lobby, back to her mother. She passes through the dining hall, through the lounge, into the hall. She stops dead in her tracks. There's blood splattered all over the floor, and in the hall, a man is hanging a portrait on the wall. The subject, the artist who was just painting Hannah before. The man turns to face Hannah. He's pale and has blood speckled on his coat. Her face drops. From the distance, her mother calls her. The man takes a step forward to lunge at Hannah, and all the windows of the hotel explode. It's the London Blitz. Then we cut to black. Whoa. When <laughs> when we pitched this podcast to each other, Simon, I had no idea how much of a literal timeline with years we would have in this. <laughs> like more than Marvel. I don't think they have this many. So, okay. So first of all, we're in World War II era and mm-hmm. we have, 
I believe in our universe, in our Super Smash Brothers cinematic universe, the first canonical allusion to Nazis. So yes. they they do exist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and we also we also open this movie with an OC, which is very brave, and I, I I respect having an original character. I'm excited to learn more about Hannah. The London Blitz. That's a real thing. We are now mixing real world tragedies and events. Yeah. With Nintendo. <laughs> I was really inspired. The London Blitz just kind of came across, but I used to work at the McKittrick Hotel. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this like interactive play that they have going on right now. But the McKittrick actually opened in 1939, two days before World War II started. And then it was condemned right after the war started. And it just sat empty until someone renovated it. And so, I don't know, when I was thinking of that and Luigi's Mansion, especially the third one, that it just kind of, it all came together. Yeah, that Fascinating. Clicks. Fascinating. I, I love the intersection of Super Smash Brothers and real world events and all of the potential ways that that could go. Uh, you know, what if Captain Falcon killed Hitler? Like, <laughs> just crazy stuff like that. I don't think like we're that. out of the gut. I don't think we're out of the gate yet. I mean, remember Mario, his story starting during the Obama era is crucial to Michael's pitch. <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> with this trend, I don't think, I, I think we're going to keep seeing historically events being incorporated. Yeah, that's, I mean, our last couple pitches have all began, began with a year um, and they've all been period pieces. So it, that's been sort of a running joke that, that we didn't intend, but it's, it's, led first, it's led to some very interesting pitches. Okay, so Gabby, I'm expecting a time jump right now. Let's, let's take us there. So now we come to an interior car present day. Luigi, Mario, Peach, and Toad all sit packed in the car, completely overtaken by Peach's luggage. Peach begins to question Luigi about their destination. He explains that he's received a mysterious invite from the Last Resort Hotel, there to be the first guest for its grand reopening for the Nintendo Planet unveiling tomorrow. It will be the first place you can stay on the new planet. Peach questions this again. If it's a new planet, how can it be reopening? Right. Before Nintendo Planet was Nintendo Planet, it was a different planet with lots of life, but a world <laughs> a world war destroyed everything, and the hotel was the only thing to survive. I'm gonna fucking just- <laughs> kill Nikki. <laughs> it just sat there abandoned until now. Peach is terrified. Well, this is wonderful. I'm super happy we're all staying here. And then they arrive at the hotel. All right. I so, have some concerns already. I have some <laughs> concerns. So what this means is at least part of Nintendo Planet is Earth. Apocalyptic. Right. So what this implies is that Nintendo Planet, prior to becoming Nintendo Planet, is a is a a potential Earth. It doesn't have to be... I mean, it can't be Earth because we have previous versions of Earth existing after that take place after World War II. But a alternate Earth that was destroyed by World War II. Correct. Which is such a dark <laughs> origin to the Nintendo planet that I did not anticipate. Is it present day 2020 or is it present day in our universe? Because those mean different things. If it's present day in 2020, the world was destroyed by 2020 and is now Nintendo Planet. 
But if we give ourselves some slack and make it just present day and whatever our timeline is, we can we can write it in a little easier, more easily. I think definitely that way, wherever this fits in. Right. I think we'll we'll get more into into it in continuity approaching. But what it sounds like to me, if I if I can just make sense of the of the logic of the alternate universes here happening, is that. Uh, and if you haven't listened to Nikki's Dr. Mario episode, I'd highly recommend people go back and listen to that because then this will make more sense. Um, but the way that I'm interpreting this is that uh, Mario and Luigi are from an earth that more closely resembles ours, right? Where, where the 80s right. happened because they're from, they're from the 80s in Michael's pitch. And then Michael's movie takes place in the year 2009. Right. And then something in, and then, then, and then the Super Smash Brothers movie happens. And we haven't fully decided what's going to happen in the Super Smash Brothers movie. But, you know, there's probably going to be some multiverse stuff happening there. Mm. And in the course of that movie, they come to this barren planet for, which we're, as we're learning now, its history was that it was a version of earth that was completely destroyed in world war II, and white life was wiped out on it. And now it is being repopulated by uh, various diasporas from different Nintendo franchises that are setting up countries on this planet. So, so timeline wise, this film takes place after Michael's super Mario and after the super smash brothers movie, but before Nikki's Dr. Mario, because by the time Nikki's yes. Dr. Mario rolls around, the planet's countries already been are established. and countries have already been established. The duck hunt country is nothing at this right. point. It's just <laughs> right. a dog and a dream. Do, do we have that right, Gabby? Have I, did I, was any of that, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. But No, that sounds exactly right. Okay. That's exactly how it was written in their pitch. Okay, I just some sometimes and and you're right, Pete. We got to kill Nikki, uh, but definitely the Nintendo Planet stuff can can throw people off and throws me off sometimes. So I just I wanted to get to the bottom of of how that makes sense. Okay, some just a question. So you know, Mario. At this point, I'm kind of assuming that that group is kind. They're kind of heroes at this point. Are they like the first people? They're like the first people on Nintendo Planet. Do you think? That's the invitation. The invite that they got so they're the first guests in the hotel they're the first guests okay so okay so so nintendo planet is opening up at this point and this is just a hotel that has opened in on the planet like in the in the mario country in the in the mushroom kingdom country on nintendo planet this is a hotel that's opening up and they're being invited for the opening Correct. The hotel is, they're invited to the hotel because the planet's unveiling is the next morning. Mm. Okay. Gotcha. The hotel's grand opening is kind of when the planet opens because it's going to be the first hotel that is welcoming people. Okay. Before we go any further, I've just got one more question. Maybe I should save it for continuity approaching, but who is opening the Nintendo planet? Whose job is it to cut that red, that red tape? I think Mario and Luigi's. That's kind of how I saw it, is they're the honored guests because they're kind of the ones who are behind, like, this whole Nintendo Planet idea in the first place. Okay. So I imagine that they're kind of the ribbon cutters. That makes okay. sense to me. That tracks. Yeah. So 
As we're at the Last Resort Hotel, they arrive and they're welcomed by Helen Gravely. She's a beautifully dressed woman, just completely rich, dressed to the nines. She welcomes them in and Peach immediately starts asking questions about the hotel's history. How did the hotel survive if everything else died? And Helen Gravely describes that during the war, the hotel was turned into a hospital, an asylum for any people who were left alone during the war. And then her founder, Dr. Terrace Didley, made sure that all those left would be taken care of. Oh gosh, look at the time. I have to prepare dinner. Helen shows them to their rooms. Feel free to settle in and explore. Dinner will be at eight. And then I'd be happy to answer any more questions you might have. Enjoy. So then the group, this is kind of in the game where everything starts happening. So Luigi is in his room getting ready for dinner, getting all dressed up. And then the lights go out and there's a scream and he grabs his flashlight. And that's kind of the first time we're introduced to the hotel. And that's where everything starts getting kicked off in the game. Okay. That's where we're at. Okay. Uh, Just some, just some, some character questions, I guess. So at this point, Mario is kind of established. He just kind of went on this whole adventure, like save the world in Super Smash Brothers. I assume we don't know yet. What's how does Luigi? What is Luigi? Where's Luigi's head at with all this? How does he? What does he think of Mario at this point? Because I feel like the relationship has probably changed a little bit. I think Luigi's definitely reveling in this moment because the invite was sent to him and not Mario. And I think he's just like, that's why he's so passionate about like, even though he's getting questions from Peach, he's like, no, we got to go here. Like, this is going to be my thing. Like, we got a personal invite. This is going to be great. Because I think, you know, in his head, he realized like he is player too. And he knows that. And so any chance, like this is his chance to kind of shine. He wants everyone to have a good time. Kind of just get that step up. Okay. Yeah, tracks. I like the idea that like if he can't be the hero, he's gonna be the one that makes everyone feel really good. That that really tracks for me as as Luigi. He's the mom. Like he's that's mom. how I see Luigi is the mom of the group. Honestly, I love that. Mama, <laughs> Mama Luigi. <laughs> All right. So this next part of the pitch, it's kind of similar. A lot of the meat of this pitch I took from like a. As you were saying, Pete, like Luigi's Mansion 3, there's just such a, there's a movie quality about it. So I didn't want to take away from that. I kind of just added things onto it. So it's the same kind of like, you know, he has to figure out what's going on, yada, yada, yada. Luigi grabs his flashlight. He goes out on the hall and everything's kind of dark. He finds Mario, Toad, and Peach are gone. And what's more, the hotel looks completely different. It's dark. It's scary. It may as well have aged 100 years. And then something moves in the distance and Luigi hides. He's stunned to see Helen talking to a bellboy, but they've become ghosts rather than people. And she goes, you were supposed to get all of them, idiot. We can't have any wanderers, can we? And he says, no, ma'am, we'll find them. And she says, you better. So like, there's this intense, like he's got to hide. Like he has no idea what's going on. As the ghost nears Luigi, he leans into a wall to conceal himself, but the panel gets pressed in and flips, kind of like you have in haunted mansions, like there's all sorts of secret hallways and stuff, and he ends up in a science laboratory. I wonder who's coming. (laughs) So Luigi looks through the various vials and bottles lining the steel tables. There are empty picture frames all over the floor. Luigi opens a cabinet, and inside are giant vials of blood. 
He panics and kind of backs into the table, and a vial of green goop falls and shatters on the floor. It congeals by his feet and starts to grow. Luigi is wide-eyed when the goo takes his form. It's a Gooigi Luigi, and it screams just as Luigi screams. And it is so stunned by Luigi's screams, he like flees and goes through the wall. And Luigi has no idea what just happened, but there's a goo form of him now. So for those of you not familiar with the Luigi's Mansion franchise, Gooigi is a character that was first introduced in Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon in the multiplayer mode and then uh, was incorporated into the story of Luigi's Mansion 3. But he is a a goo version of Luigi, as implied by the name Gooigi. He basically looks like Flubber. He's got, he's got a G on his hat instead of an L. It's very cute. It's very charming. He's one of my favorite characters in the Luigi's Mansion series because of the implications that come with him. Because it is implied <laughs> that Gooigi and Luigi share a consciousness because... <laughs> <laughs> you cannot control both at the same time. When you control Guigi, Luigi just like stands there in a daze and he kind of like wobbles about. Um, so it's <laughs> it's kind of implied that uh, Luigi and Guigi share a consciousness, which is very creepy, um, but fascinating. Yeah, and this one, I actually kind of wanted to break that. Guigi is actually his own character. Gotcha. Like, he is a form of Luigi. He has a lot of the same personality traits as Luigi. Um, but Can I, Guigi I, talk? No. I think... I didn't write that, but I think I want him to be mute. Kind of like... He's almost like a pet, if that makes any sense. Like <laughs> Yes. Like, he, he's a companion. He doesn't really speak, but he's always there to help out. And I like he takes on a lot of Luigi's personality. They're both really skittish. I want him to be like the most skittish thing you've ever seen. Like I think he's more afraid of himself than he is of a person. Fascinating. Interesting. <laughs> so he, so this is the Luigi to Luigi in a way. Yeah. He's like he was just born. He doesn't really know what's going on. He's kind of he's like a child, you know? And all he knows how to be is Luigi. Can can Guigi feel pain? <laughs> That's a good question. Yes. Does Guigi have dreams? I'm going to ask a lot of existential and moral questions about Guigi. I'm going to say no, because, because Guigi is not a person, and he's kind of in, like, in this ghost realm, I don't see Guigi sleeping, thus he can't dream. Can he love? Sure. <laughs> Anyone can love. <laughs> Okay. I think Luigi loves Luigi. Like, that's his homeboy. They're twins. But do you think if Luigi met Mario, he wouldn't feel the same way for Luigi? Or do you think he was always destined to connect with Luigi? I think he was always destined. Like, you know, he's a science experiment. Like, he wouldn't be if it weren't for Luigi. Was he specifically designed to look like Luigi or does he look like Luigi because Luigi is the first thing he saw and he's like a baby duck and imprinted on Luigi? That I, don't, one? I don't know if I should tell. Oh, shit. It's a secret. Oh, man. Okay. So we're back and Luigi's kind of wandering around the hall trying to figure out where Mario, Peach, and Toad are so that he can get the heck out of there. And he happens across Helen, who's instructing her little minions to kind of put these portraits in different areas around the hotel. 
and Luigi sees that they're Mario, Peach, and Toad. And so he's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have no idea how to get them, like, their portraits. What do I do now? And is Luigi just following Luigi around at this point? Luigi is hiding right now. Luigi's hiding, okay. He doesn't know what he is. So so Luigi met Luigi in the lab, and then Luigi just sort of went and hid? Yeah, they both screamed, and Luigi ran off, okay. as did Luigi. <laughs> Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, But I think at this point, Luigi's kind of following at a distance, Luigi, trying to figure out what he's doing, just to kind of, like, get a sense of what on earth is going on. So as uh, Luigi is exploring, he finds himself in the basements, and he sees a collection of every single victims of the hotels, like, their luggage, their belongings. It's kind of, it's a little holocaust-y. Uh, <laughs> like it's just it's like every <laughs> question another question so Guigi, back to Guigi because I'm I'm not all my question I don't care what part of the movie this is it's all Guigi are you telling me Guigi is a product of Nazi science yes are these ghosts Nazis <laughs> no <laughs> I don't think we ever is King Boo Hitler <laughs> no <laughs> Whoa. I do when he gets to this basement though the reason I want to show the luggage and sort of things is because they think they're the first guests who have stayed in this hotel and I want there to be like representation of people who have been victims like during the blitz when it wasn't Nintendo World I want it to be people who have come from the Mushroom Kingdom and he's like people have been here before and we didn't know this was happening <laughs> There's some like shining stuff going on here. So as Luigi is kind of looking through this luggage, trying to, he's like realizing what's going on here. Behind him, there's like this whoosh, whoosh sound, and he turns around, and there is like this crazy old guy hanging by his feet from the ceiling, and he keeps like he's insane. He keeps going boo, and then like chuckling, and that's like all he can say until Luigi approaches him and kind of helps him down. And his face is all red, like he's been hanging there for I don't know how many years. <laughs> Just this crazy whack job. So Luigi helps him down, and he finds out that his name is Professor Elvin Gad. Question and- <laughs> about Elvin Gad. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna lawyer you, where I'm gonna sort of trap you here. Okay. Did he create Luigi? He did. Does that make you said that Guigi's a product of Nazi science? Is Professor Egad a Nazi? He's not, but he has been working with the Doctor Diddley. Uh, so he was just doing his job, quote unquote, just following orders. Okay. Yep. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> All right. We'll have to forgive him for this one. Okay. <laughs> Professor, I feel like Professor Egad. He was. He was one of those. There's there's a particularly famous one who I can't remember the name of, but he was like a Nazi scientist who turned coat partway through the war. Right. Uh, I think some of them helped us get on the moon. I, I yes. For, no, you're right about true? that. Yeah, Pete, you're right. That okay. one of the one of the Nazi nuclear scientists then was like a big part of the NASA space program. Okay. Yeah. So he's that. He's yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when Luigi helps him down, he kind of explains that he came to the hotel following up on like suspicious disappearances. And he was confronted by Helen and Dr. Diddley when he came and to save his own life, he said he would help with the scientific experiments that Dr. Diddley was doing to kind of save his own life. So this is when 
the professor describes that Dr. Diddley has this thing called the soul extractor. So right now people are just being trapped in portraits, but with the soul extractor, he can just take their life essence without freezing them in portraits. Because it's kind of implied that what he's doing right now is freezing people in portraits so that he can take their blood out. And it's kind of like they keep generating more blood because like they're not dead. But with the soul extractor, he can just take like all the years they would have had. And so we're kind of figuring out that Dr. Diddley is trying to like solve, <laughs> like be immortal basically. Gotcha. So they're, they're taking, okay, so they're doing this so that they can live forever? Exactly. Mm. Very Nazi thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Um, but Egad says not to worry. Um, they'll get it back. But what they first need to find, he like had a plan in action when he made the soul extractor. He's like, I also made the poltergeist 3000, which is going to help us capture him to prevent him from using this weapon. And what is the poltergeist or poltergust 3000? <laughs> poltergeist 3000. It's basically like your traditional like ghost buster sucker upper like it sucks up ghosts it also has like mechanics on it where it can release people from portraits so that's gonna be key very handy <laughs> yes <laughs> egad and luigi continue to search for the poltergeist 3000 guigi meets back up with them and egad is completely fascinated <laughs> he's made this formula he's never seen it work so this is like his baby, and he's like, why is it looking like Luigi? And so this is where we find out that Luigi is actually kind of has some superpowers, and he shows them that not only can he turn into Luigi, he transforms into Egad, and then he sees a puppy portrait, and he transforms into Pulterpup, but goo form. Interesting. Okay, so he can... So a couple things here is that... So he can shapeshift. So the explanation is that he imprinted on Luigi being mm-hmm. the first thing he saw. So he's like a little Correct. baby duck, which is absolutely adorable. And then the second thing, so the polter pup is a dog that Luigi adopts at the end of the second game, a, a little ghost dog. So we're, we're, we're doing a two-in-one character here where we're replacing that character with Guigi, where Guigi can Correct. take the polter pup form. And that way you can just get one sidekick character rather than multiple. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So we don't have the Moana problem where there's both a chicken and a pig. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. It's gone. We, we just have a chicken that can also turn into a pig. Right. That's <laughs> so much cooler. Okay. <laughs> we kind of get into the middle sections here. And this is kind of where Luigi Guigi and Egad, they find the Poltergeist 3000, and they have to, of course, like battle a couple of ghosts before they can find Mario, Peach, and Toad. And so a couple people I wanted to include, I didn't want to have too many random ghosts. That was one of my problems when playing the video game is, you know, you get a lot of these little randos, and yes, they're henchmen, but there's not there's nothing rewarding from, like, I guess, capturing them, making them disappear i don't Man, we haven't had a writer critique the games that they were adapting before but <laughs> Gabby like said this game is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i just wanted to focus on a couple bosses and kind of explain like 
because I wanted playing the video game. I always wanted to know like what happens. Like, do they just get? I guess technically they just get sucked up, and they're like trapped in this thing. But that didn't right. feel like good enough closure to me. So basically, when Luigi defeats a ghost, now he frees their spirit. So they're no longer like an evil ghost. They kind of like disappear, go up to heaven, whatever, and you kind of see their true form. Luigi sends souls to hell. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Ghost Rider. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of implied in the third Luigi's Mansion that at the end it ends up that King Boo was kind of controlling all these spirits. And I wanted that to be solved, like, when Luigi defeated them, like, one by one. You kind of see, like, their true selves. Okay. So, another question, just because the Nazi thing, I just can't, like, my gear, my gear is stuck on the Nazi. Are any of the ghost Nazis or are most of the ghosts victims of the hotel? No, it, they're just, they're victims of the hotel. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So, uh, a couple of the ghosts he meets are Nikki, Lindsay, and Jenny. And these are their kind of backstory. So after they get defeated, they kind of explain like how they came to be there. And they're midwives who explain that after the war, the hotel was converted to a hospital and they came to help with patients where they discovered that Dr. Diddley trapped all the people in the hospital to steal their blood. And that's kind of their story. So we're kind of like... As he's defeating this these ghosts, I want him to learn more information about, like, who is Dr. Diddley? Like, how did this hotel come to be? Like, how are all these people getting trapped? Yeah, you're, you're definitely adding, like, a more of a much more human element to the ghosts. Because something that's sort of Luigi's Mansion ghosts, you don't really see them as ghosts. They're just kind of, like, monsters. They weren't, like, previously anything else. Yeah. Uh, which I think is an unexplored element to it, so... Right, That's like there cool are no choice. there are no ghosts in the games that look like toads, which are of course the right. main population of the Mushroom Kingdom. So it's that's always weird. That's like, well, why don't they look like everybody else in the Mushroom Kingdom if if they are the ghosts of people who lived in the Mushroom Kingdom? Like, what are they? Exactly. And then the other one I wanted to focus on was Bogmire. And he's basically, he was a groundskeeper for the hotel. And he explains that Helen Gravely is kind of the one who's pulling the strings. And he hasn't seen Dr. Diddley in years. No one has. So he's like kind of putting this into Luigi's head. Like he's like, I'm not sure what's going on, but I know Helen is the one who's making it happen. So with Bogmire, so Bogmire, I don't know about the other ghosts. Bogmire, I recognize that name. Bogmire is a ghost in the real games. Bogmire looks like this big screaming blob. Like he's got, he's he's just a big purple blob. And it seems like he's talking here. Is is he going to have a more human aspect to him? Or is he going to be a blob that talks to Luigi? No, I think how I envision it is when Luigi is battling the ghosts, they look like their form in the video game. But as soon as he defeats them, they kind of take on their personified form, like what they used to look like. Gotcha. Tell a little bit about themselves before like being freed. Like now their spirit is free. They're not trapped anymore. Okay. So I have a, I have a question about the logistics of this second act as Luigi is going about the hotel is he's actively being hunted, right? Yes. So he's, so, so tone wise is it's, is it a bit of like a, 
uh, a paranoid horror thriller going on where he's like sneaking about and sort of a, a claustrophobic feel to it where, you know, he's stuck in this hotel and... Definitely. I imagine it as kind of like an alien vibe where like there's nowhere mm-hmm. to go until they have what they need to get out. Very cool. And they're just kind cool. of being hunted. Very cool. So we're back in the halls and Luigi eventually finds... I guess I didn't focus completely on like Toad, Mario. I wanted this pitch to be about Luigi and kind of more of the side characters. Mm-hmm. Mario gets so much screen time and like it's important. Like it's important to Luigi when he finds Toad and Mario, but those weren't the beats that I wanted to focus on necessarily. So that's kind of why I skim past them. Like everyone knows Luigi is going to be excited when he finds Mario. We don't need to, you know. So Luigi eventually finds Toad and Mario, but they can't find Peach anywhere. And while looking, Luigi shows them a secret safe and kind of like points and he's like, hey, I found something. And inside they find the portrait of Hannah, the girl from the teaser. I have a, I have a, I have a question about, I know you said we could just skim past it, but I actually do have a question about Mario showing up again. Yep. How does Luigi feel about Mario being rescued and being a part of this journey again? Because I know, because I, I feel like from what you've set up with Luigi character-wise, he was definitely feeling, uh, even though he's scared right now, he was definitely feeling like this was his opportunity to shine and, and, and prove his use. Like when Mario gets, when he frees Mario, is like, is the dynamic there like Mario's trying to like take the reins and Luigi's like slow down like I'm the one who rescued you I know like how this hotel works like what's the dynamic between them is there sort of a brother rivalry or is or does Mario is Mario maybe more gracious and Mario's like taking the back seat like you know what you're right Luigi like you do know like I just got here you do know what's going on like what is their dynamic how do how do Mario and Luigi feel about this yeah i think I definitely see it being more laid back when Mario comes back into the picture. I think I think he's like ready to step up and take that leadership role at any points. And but like, you know, each time just as he's about to do it, Luigi's like actually this is the plan. This is what we need to do. And so Mario's it's almost like a a big brother moment where he's really proud of his little brother for kind of taking the reins. He obviously knows what's going on. Like Mario's been trapped this whole time this whole time. And I, I think he's okay with that. Like, I don't think Mario's ever like, I don't think he's ever like a bad older brother. Like, I think he does want Luigi to succeed. Luigi is just always put in the second place. Okay. Neither of them strike me as the jealous type. Yeah. That tracks. So with Luigi's journey here, hunting, like, does he kind of like that he's the, that he knows what to do here? Or is he more of like an unwilling hero where he's the only one who can do this? I think he grows into liking it. One part of the game that I loved is it always shows Luigi just shaking as he's like handling his flashlight, which I think is really important. Like, I think Luigi was put into a situation where he had to step up, but once he's in that role, he likes it. Like, he knows, like, you know, this point in time, he's good at it, and he's ready for more. So we have Guiji kind of pointing, and he's like, hey, I found something. They open up this safe, and it's the portrait of Hannah, the little girl from before. And Luigi uses the Poltergeist 3000, thinking that he's going to free her from the portrait, except she doesn't come out of the portrait. She's kind of stuck in it. And so Hannah introduces herself, and 
she takes them back to like a flashback in 1940 as to like what actually happened during that explosion. And so we're back when Hannah sees Dr. Diddley putting the frame on the wall. <laughs> I know Dr. Diddley sounds weird. <laughs> It'll I, make sense. I have, okay, sorry. Sorry to keep pausing. I just, I have so many questions. For another one, you said that we're stylistically, we're going for Luigi's Mansion 3. Is that also animated? And if so, are we going to get like some animated goofy looking Nazis here or like, what? <laughs> well, how does everything look in your mind? Um, I actually see a live action. Um, okay. Hotel wise. I think it is because of the explosion. I think it is stuck in like 1939, 1940 kind of like art deco, like that kind of style. And the ghosts, the but the ghosts are obviously more CGI, right? Or mm-hmm. so you can so you can play with them being yeah. like super expressionistic, but definitely. But all the people in Mario and Luigi and all them, they're live action. Is what you're saying? Correct. Okay. Cool. So sort of like Ghostbusters style. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we're back in this flashback, and Doctor Diddley has just killed the art the artist that was painting Hannah, puts him on the wall, and Hannah sees this blood all over the floor. And just as he's about to lunge at her, this bomb goes off. So after the explosion, we see Hannah kind of critically injured in the rubble. And Dr. Diddley is on the ground by her and he's bleeding out. He drinks a vial of the blood he collected from the artist and his wounds begin to heal. But as his wounds heal, he becomes paler and something changes about his eyes. And then just when this happens, Hannah dies. And so then Hannah goes on to explain, they come out of the flashback and she explains that she can't come out of her portrait because she was already dead. So like these people are coming out of their portraits because they've been put in there. But the reason she's stuck is because she was never alive when she was put in this portrait. So she's kind of just trapped there. It's really sad. <laughs> yeah. They finish with Hannah, they bid her adieu and they go to search for the for Peach, and this kind of brings us to like the the end of the video game where it's kind of this big battle. So they run into Helen Gravely, who has captured Peach, and she's kind of waiting on Dr. Diddley to get there. And it's going to be this massive ceremony where they're kind of using the soul sucker for the first time. And so we finally get introduced, and she's like, This is Dr. Diddley. He comes out and he like takes off a shroud, and it ends up being King Boo. <laughs> And it's all this blood he's consumed has kind of turned his image into like an actual like ghosty character. <laughs> A different take on like vampires, I suppose. Yeah, King Boo kind of King Boo can sort of be any monster he wants. Is is what I've gathered from King yeah. Boo. Helen Gravely is holding the soul sucker and she she's kind of like apologetic to Luigi and the crew. She's like, look, I'm sorry, but like he's going to help me find my daughter. Um, I need to do this. She's been missing since I've got oh. here. And so at this moment, something like goes off inside Luigi's head. So he goes off. The group doesn't know where he goes. While he's gone, Helen Gravely like introduces them to Boo. Boo kind of like gives his whole spiel, like you can call me Kane Boo instead of Doctor Diddley, and his name is a play on the original like Boo Diddley characters, is what they were called in the older game. Oh, I didn't know I that. Didn't, I didn't know that. Wow! Whoa. Coming at us with Easter eggs that Straight we didn't know about. Facts. 
Yep. Wait, and wait, so wait, what's the what's the cameo? Boo Diddleys, they were called Huh. They were called Boo Diddleys and they were like the original Boo in the first. So okay, so it's a play on it's Bo a play Diddley. On Bo oh, it's a play yeah. on Bo. Oh yeah, here it is. In Super Mario Bros. 3, when Boos were first introduced in the credits, they're called Boo Diddleys. Look at that. Wow. I had no clue, and it's a play My on God. Bo Diddley. You learn I love something the research new. process. I always <laughs> interesting stuff always comes out when people do the deep dive. Yeah, cool. I, honestly, that's the part that I loved because, like, you know, I don't necessarily. I'm not a huge video game person, so doing the kind of research onto like different variations of the characters was super interesting. So we're we're at the grand finale here. And Boo's kind of telling them his plan. He's like, with this soul extractor and with Nintendo World opening tomorrow, I'll be able to gather enough souls to become immortal, is basically his whole plan. Like, he's been kind of, like, just surviving on the random people who come to the hotel until now. And Helen is, again, apologetic, but is about to blast Mario with the soul extractor when Guiji comes in with Hannah's portrait. So, like, obviously, Helen's like, that is my daughter. And the daughter kind of explains that she's been locked up in this safe, but she's been here the whole time. And Helen turns on Boo. And so his mini Boos kind of come, attack Helen, take the soul extractor from him, and he shoots <laughs> Helen with the soul extractor, you know, killing her. Again, killing her again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Boo aims at Luigi and pulls the trigger, but Guigi jumps in front of him, taking the blast, and Guigi dies. No! <laughs> Are you kidding me? Ah, for to some reason Luigi. I thought... Oh, man. I thought Guigi was... I, I had this theory. I was like, oh, I got you. I thought Guigi was going to turn into her, her daughter, and she was, she, she was just going to live with a goo version of her daughter for the rest. But... This I'm is so fucking sad right now. This is now. more dramatically interesting. I'm devastated. I'm crying. But because Guigi leaps in front of Luigi, it gives Luigi enough time to use the Poltergeist 3000 to trap King Boo. And they kind of, I, I envisioned like, you know, in Harry Potter with the wands and there's like the streams. I envision like the Poltergeist 3000 facing off with a soul extractor and it eventually wins like pulling Boo in and they capture him. But as soon as they capture him, the hotel kind of starts to rumble and everything's kind of coming apart. And Luigi, Peach, Toad, and Mario all run out before it comes crashing down. And outside in the rubble, there's like the sweet moment where the, you know, the now freed spirits of Hannah, Helen, and Guigi kind of are out there saying goodbye and they gift Luigi with a brand new Luigi hotel for the actual opening of Nintendo world before evaporating. You just introduced a logic question, but also a philosophical question in the form of, so Guigi becomes a ghost and that, that means he must have a soul. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So artificial, thank you. Thank you, Simon. Uh, so artificial life, can have a soul for one. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Guigi's a ghost. Ghost Guigi. Okay. I think I think I think it's important that we do establish that artificial life and artificial intelligence does have a soul in our universe because the Super Smash Bros universe is so rich with robot 
robot characters. Right. Like, I think I think like Mega Man obviously has a soul. I think Rob has a soul. There's just so many robots. We Fit Trainer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, as as of Sophie's pitch, the We Fit Trainer is also a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I think we sort of forced her into that. But yeah. yes. <laughs> I think no, I think we helped her along. I wouldn't yeah. say we forced her into it. <laughs> I have to commend you for being the first person to tackle the Nintendo Planet in their pitch. I think for the purposes of our show, because you are a guest and anything that you pitch becomes canon, it would be amazing if you could do us a favor and give the Nintendo Planet a name because I'm tired of referring to it as the Nintendo Planet. And I think I think it needs a name. Right. Because life doesn't have a brand, okay? We're not called, you know, the God Planet or whatever his, <laughs> his name is or right. her name is. I think, I think, it, I think whenever and whenever we tell guests about the Nintendo Planet, because we we prep our guests with continuity notes before each recording, almost every guest has a question about what that means, and yeah. so I think and it would be it would be easier if we could just refer to it as the planet of. Blank? I think it's it's got to relate to Gooigi, right? Do like, they is, name the planet this, after Gooigi? Is this something where they kind of name the planet after he's gone <laughs> to honor him? Wow. <laughs> oh, you, oh, man. Uh, so, so the planet doesn't have a name, and then Gooigi gives his life for the planet, and they name the planet after him? I think so. I think that's the So maybe it's just like, it's maybe at first they just call it like Planet X or something, and then... And then there's going to be this really touching moment at the end of the movie where Luigi's like, Mario, I think I, think I don't want to call it Planet X anymore. I think, because in a way, Luigi is the first native of this planet. He's the first person born there, at least since, since, since the world ended in the, new, in the new version of the planet. Wow. This is true. Yeah. What would so is are we gonna do like a pun of Guigi like Guigia like what whatever we, <laughs> what are we going um, with? Man, what if that is such a it's such a good idea, but boy does it not lend itself well to a name of like Planet Goo. That's just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I kind of I like the Guigia like like I'm trying to think of like other mythical places where you could do the ending mm. like it, I'm assuming uh. you pick Narnia. Guigia. Guigia is kind of funny. Guigia is kind of funny. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like Guigia doesn't crack me up a little it's just, bit. We're gonna have like full grown ass adults in their 40s doing pitches soon, and having them read the con, having them read the continuity notes and say, "Yeah, you're gonna have to incorporate this planet called Guigia, <laughs> <laughs> named after I mean, a goo clone of Luigi." <laughs> <laughs> I li- in fact, I Pete, when you put it like that, I like the idea so much that from now on, I think I think the planet's called Guigia. Guigia, it is. All right, no more Nintendo Planet. From henceforth, it's Guigia. Oh my God, <laughs> we're gonna win all the awards. I admire that you took this on because every time, like Simon said, every time someone heard Nintendo Planet and like was explained what it was they were like nope <laughs> not doing that <laughs> not using that at all <laughs> yeah there are always we always get some variation of an email that's like is it cool if i don't use that at all <laughs> <laughs> no i thought it was kind of fun 
I like having constraints, like weird ones, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And this is the show for weird constraints. <laughs> so I have a, I have, you might not know the answer to this. I just, at what point in World War II did, did this earth go full scorched earth and everyone died? Was it Great the, question. Was it like, did the Nazis get nuclear weapons? Like, what happened? I think so. Okay. I would, I think. <laughs> I haven't watched enough of those shows to know like at what point they turned, but I like the shows that kind of tackle like what would happen if like the other side won, you know, World War II, World War One, whatever. And so I guess this is just like, you know, people always talk about World War Three is going to be the end of humanity. Like just what if that was World War Two? What if it already happened? It's comforting to think that if we ever find ourselves in an apocalyptic scenario, that one day Mario and Luigi might walk on our ashes and build a new world there. <laughs> one day I might die, but one day Captain Falcon is going to be able to kick the shit out of Kirby on, on my ashes. As long as Gooigi rises out of the ashes of humanity, I think we're going to be all right. I read in the news that Joe Biden, instead of giving us our stimulus, he went to that camp for like a weekend. And it explicitly said that he played Mario Kart and he picked, he chose Luigi. And I think that was a calculated symbolic effort. <laughs> Remember the Luigi death stare? In, yes. That was yeah, a good meme. Yeah, a great meme. Uh, let's bring it back. Let's bring back the Luigi Death Stare from Mario so. Kart 8. But maybe it's the Life Stare. <laughs> it's the Gooigi Life Stare. It's the Gooigi Life Stare. <laughs> I think we should move into continuity approaching because I think we have a lot to tackle. I think so. I think definitely definitely a lot to talk about. Um, I think let's let's shelve the Nintendo... I mean, we, we, we kind of tackled nintendo planet a little bit i i have fewer questions about nintendo planet now than i did um as you were going through the pitch so uh just well, let's shelve guigia I, I don't know what's nintendo planet why did i say that it's guigia now Gooji what am i talking Gooji. about so talking about continuity outside of guigia because this story deals so heavily in ghosts I'm wondering if we should, and and I'm wondering if we should look at a certain other franchise. And of course, um, I, I owe this thought a little bit to um, Masahiro Sakurai, who already thought of this in the reveal trailer for Simon and Richter. Um, but it definitely seems like Castlevania and Luigi's Mansion have the potential to be linked because they're the two Smash Brothers franchises that deal most heavily with ghosts and monsters and uh spooky stuff pete do you do we want to plant like a castlevania reference here that's like oh they're coming castlevania is coming so. yeah especially if it's in that flashback scene where uh the character of hannah is showing us the past because what, ma- what makes castlevania great is it's got like a you know it's got the transylvanian european sort of vibe to it so you can really put them in that time and in that sort of location and it would fit pretty seamlessly and well and there is a castlevania game that takes place in world war ii i believe castlevania portrait of ruin on the nintendo ds takes place in 1944 it doesn't star simon or richter belmont but it would be cool just you know 
I don't think it has to. I mean, it doesn't I mean, have to. Just the yeah. even just the castle, even just like a castle that we that we recognize mm-hmm. um, would be enough. I think. Yeah, like maybe Jonathan Morris or Charlotte Allen, who are the main characters of uh, Portrait of Ruin. Maybe they're at the hotel for like at the in the opening scene, like they're checking out or something. Yeah. Or I guess no one checks out of this hotel, right? Or so the they- character of Dracula, like you know, if Ghost Boo, if, if King Boo is drinking this blood and things like that, like maybe there is like some mention of Dracula or like where he learned this technique of Im- immunity. Uh, yeah. Immortality. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of because of the scientific nature in this particular pitch. I think there's a lot you can do with like you know, kind of like in that vein. Like I'm not sure if Jekyll and Hyde, if that's in Castlevania, but I feel like there's definitely some sciency stuff you could like. Yes. I I don't uh, know if uh, Jekyll and Hyde might be in Castlevania. I know Frankenstein is. Um, yes. I bet Jekyll and Hyde, a monster inspired by Jekyll and Hyde, has shown up there. I mean, they're a, they're a public domain monster. All of those have shown up in Castlevania at some point. Can you Frankenstein <sighs> Gooigi? I was gonna say I was gonna I was actually gonna pitch like whoever's doing Castlevania in the continuity notes. Can we like sort of guide them by like really putting that Gooigi was built around the time they're gonna be writing in? To see if like maybe there's another Gooigi, like another another goo character in Castlevania. What if Professor Egad is a descendant of Dr. Victor Frankenstein? What if that's just like in his family lineage? Yeah, I can get down with that. that I works. mean, we have a lot of we have a we talked about this a little bit during the We Fit episode, but we have a a rich roster of inventor characters to yes. look at. Um, you know, we've got Doctor Light and Doctor uh, Wiley, Doctor Robotnik for sure, and then uh, Doctor Hector, who I love to talk <laughs> about on this show. Doctor no Mario, yeah, just a lot of doctors. Yeah, um, and they're all probably they've all probably influence each other to some yeah, degree like it, it would be great i think in an eventual like the way i have envisioned an eventual mega man movie working is like dr light he's like he looks up to like doctors because because mega man takes place in like hundreds of years in the future like in the 22nd century i think maybe right um you know he like he really looks up to the inventors of the past like dr elvin gad and and uh you know, the greats. Something Gabby's introduced here is an alternate Earth, where is there any other... You know how Captain America won the war for us in, like, their universe? Is there any other character we can use in this World War II that can sort of maybe facilitate this end of the world, maybe? So you're you're saying, you're asking if, if there is another character who could be from this earth that didn't survive world war ii yeah that or like you know we kind of we can have fun with this if we want where how does this world war ii cause the end of the world did they use some sort of power what if of some sort what if a certain uh Maybe maybe Umbra witches and Lumen sages got involved in World War II mm. from Bayonetta. Yeah, they would and have that, a, that tracks too. Right. I'm feeling some sort of secret war behind yeah. this other war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly that 
that is the secret war that stands out the most to me in that um, Umber witches and Lumen sages who are constantly waging a war in the shadows. You know, what if they got involved in World War II and like that's what led to such an escalation that this, this alternate Earth did not survive it? Who knows? And then, you know, and then that comes, that would open up a whole can of worms where, you know, if Bayonetta comes to our world and, and sees, you know, religion is a little different in our world than it is in her world. I don't know. Here's my other pitch. Here's my other pitch. I have another pitch. So there's one earth we know that is already post-apocalyptic. Right. And it's the world of Pikmin. Oh. Do you think there's the possibility that this earth that we know is Olimar showing off his humble home for everyone else? No, wait. Sacrifice? That's a fascinating idea. So what if, right, so what if the Nintendo, what if Guigia is actually the planet that Olimar discovers in Pikmin? And maybe, right, right and maybe Pikmin takes place before anyone has, has rediscovered this planet. Yes. And, and so, you know, as this planet gets more populated in, you know, in the movies that follow that that uh, immediately proceed and then follow Super Smash Brothers Melee on either side of Melee, but before Brawl, you know, what if like Olimar makes another trip to this planet and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, a bunch of people are here. Yeah. And it's like, what's Donkey Kong doing and here? I think that's just ripe for conflict as Ooh, well. I really because, like the idea that this planet is the Pikmin planet. Right. And so that the only survivors of the nuclear holocaust at the end of World War II are this haunted mansion and the Pikmin. And I think what's even better is now that really adds. I know we're we're going we're getting into Pikmin story now, but what makes Graham's pitch so great is it's really about things coming together to battle something bigger. And now the enemies are much bigger, much right. bigger. Uh, and that's just a great story for Olimar. Yeah, I mean that would that would be yes. I think that that I mean that's a great setup for Pikmin too. Like, yeah. Olimar returns to this planet, and there's a bunch of people there now. There's like a bunch of huge like he's he's this big, he's this tall. There are a bunch of fully fully grown people there. That's really funny. I think that that has a lot of good potential. This does open. I mean, the fact that we've tied in Pikmin so directly does make me wonder. I mean, if this if ghosts exist on this planet and something is keeping souls on this Earth. When Pikmin die and their little ghosts rise out of their body, is that why? Is that is there such a spiritual energy on this planet like that? That's why you see their ghosts leave their body as they ascend. Can that that's a great question in. that I've never that's never been addressed. Like, can Luigi suck up Pikmin ghosts? I think he can't. Well, well, I don't know because Pikmin ghosts aren't like here to stay to haunt. Like when 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 a Pikmin ghost leaves its body, I've always assumed that because it's just it rises up out of their body. I've always assumed that means it's like it's like what you said, Gabby, where it's like that's a free ghost that's you know going on its way. It's not it's not a malevolent ghost that is being like forced to stay hostage there. You know? Yeah. So I think I think. He could suck up a Pikmin ghost, probably, but I'm not sure he'd have any cause to. Unless okay. there were, like, evil Pikmin, which is a great Pikmin or, 4 idea, Nintendo, if you're listening to me. Evil Pikmin, hello. 
Okay. I feel like this is becoming just another Pikmin pitch. So maybe we should wrap it up. Yeah. I think, I think we, yeah, I don't think we need to get deeper into Pikmin. Yeah. I mean, Pete, I don't have any lingering questions about Nintendo Planet. I actually feel about Guigia, rather. Um, I actually feel Guigia was always a, a bit of a, of a, uh, of, of, of something I didn't know what we were going to do with in, in our franchise. I'm feeling I think a, if it wasn't Gabby pitching Guigia, it was going to be someone else pitching Guigia. Yeah. Or or I think I think we're lucky that Gabby has treated Guigia with um the care and respect that it deserves because right. we we didn't we don't want like we're lucky Greg didn't sink his fucking teeth into Guigia. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine <laughs> if this was big the Catchia? Like this yeah. is <laughs> or, or we we're we're lucky some fucking joker didn't didn't try and 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 write the history of Nintendo Planet. Um yeah. <laughs> you know, this could have been like someone was going to call this like Zelda verse or something. No, it's Guigia. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what it's called. Or Baguville. I'm surprised no. Mm. Don't hit me with Bagu. Don't throw okay, Bagu in I my won't, face. I won't, right I won't throw Bagu. Hey, don't, I take it back. Don't, I suck it back up. I suck it back up in my vacuum. It's, don't, it's out. Don't say his name in vain. He died for you, Pete. Bagu died, died for, for all you. of us. <laughs> one day, one day we're going to read through my Legend of Zelda script on this show and and people will know what the fuck we're talking about i can't wait if you if 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 listeners donate money to us if we if we get a 50 dollar donation yes only 50 dollars. i don't ask for much i have realistic expectations actually can you make it 60 so we can buy a video game out of it yeah if someone dollars if someone venmos either pete or i 60 dollars with the Venmo description, free Bagu, we will we will do a special episode where we read that script. Um, Sixty dollars to either, and and Pete and I will drop our Venmos at, at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> with that note, thank you so much, Gabby, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really, this was a blast. I think this is a really important episode when it came to world building. Uh, and I, I hope I hope you're satisfied with uh, how much you've added to this universe. Oh, I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. Thank you so much for listening. None of this would be possible without some awesome remixes by some amazing and underappreciated musicians. Here are their credits so you can listen to those songs without us talking over it. Kumu did the Luigi's Mansion EGADS Lab remix. Miyu did the Luigi's Mansion theme on piano. Nintendubs did the Luigi's Mansion Lo-Fi remix. The Luigi's Mansion 3 Boilerworks remix comes from Coder Red 59 Blue Brew Music did the Luigi's Mansion Courtyard cover. Rhythm Changer did the Luigi's Mansion EGADS Laboratory remix. The Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon Gloomy Manor remix comes from Noteblock. Scruffy did the Luigi's Mansion Training remix. Icy Mix Spice did the Haunted Towers Rave remix. Christoph Jacob did the Sixth Floor Cellar remix, Castle McFrights. The Amadeus Wolfgeist remix from Luigi's Mansion 3 comes from BV. Uh, yet another Luigi's Mansion remix comes from Violite. Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon Final Boss Phase 1 cover comes from Bradley Crowling. 
Bradley Crowling did the Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon Final Boss Phase 2 cover as well. And Scruffy also did the Luigi's Mansion Credits remix. And as always, sound effects come from the Super Smash Brothers series, freesound.org, soundsnap.com, and the Luigi's Mansion series. Thanks so much for listening today. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as our Twitter at Pod. Or you can check out our personal Twitters at P. Simmons Hayes and at Simon Lewis Ong. We really appreciate you listening and hope you come back next week where we'll have another exciting installment of the Super Smash Brothers Cinematic Universe. We'll see you then. Bye. <laughs>